You are listening to View Your Purpose podcast. I am your host, Amanda Owen, and I am so glad that you chose to hit play today and you are in for the best treat as we kick off Disability Awareness Month. If you didn't know that, March is Disability Awareness Month. And if you're new here, know that I'm a huge advocate being a sibling to a brother with a disability, to having my own nonprofit organization, which support people with disabilities. And I'm a caretaker to an adult with autism like my whole life is wrapped around, I guess, of those <laughs> with disabilities. I even wrote two children's books um, in order to be able to advocate, called Owen the Wonder, um, to advocate around inclusion, acceptance, and to those in that are in third and fifth, fourth, fifth grade, right? Like, I think it starts with our youth to understanding um, how to include and embrace those and empower those with disabilities. And so, um, most of you all know at this point, if you've been here for a little bit, that for a while I've been keeping it as solo episodes, and I'm sh- pretty sure you're tired of hearing my voice. <laughs> so we are in for some, the next couple of months, for in for some real treats and some wisdom and nuggets. I love some of the guests that have come onto this podcast to pour into you and fuel your purpose as they are fueling their own purpose. And I couldn't be more excited to introduce today's guest. Misty Coy Snyder is an actor, writer, singer, worship leader, content creator, and disability advocate. That's how I got to know her actually on her Instagram page. She and her husband, Brayden, live on the East Coast and have two sons, Clay and Jedi which they call Jed. Before Misty embarked on her advocacy journey, she spent her days performing around the world. Her passion for connecting, building community, and opening up the door for communication has been growing in her since she was a little girl doing community theater and a local radio show with her mother. When Jed was born in August of 2020, she channeled all of her training on stage and off to spread the good news of Down syndrome. It is her hope that no one will feel alone in this journey, but rather feel loved, loved and seen. So I'm super excited to just dive straight into today's episode because I know you're going to love Misty as much as I have enjoyed talking with her and just following her journey as she raises little Jed. And he is just, I mean, his smile can light up a room. So I want to invite you to grab what you're drinking, whether that's a White Claw, a water, or a Diet Dr. Pepper, and buckle up Buttercup as we dive into today's purpose. You are listening to Feel Your Purpose Podcast. I am your host, Amanda Owen, and I'm super excited to have a very special guest um, here with me today. Her name is Misty, and you are going to have so much um, delightful nuggets along the way because I know we're all moms here just trying to live the best life that we know how to live and overcome and be resilient and do all of the things, and she is definitely an inspiration. I have actually found her on Instagram, and if 
if um, we're going to put in the show notes of how to connect with her and go follow her and things like that. But you're going to want to do yourself a favor and do that because she is truly a delight and so many great nuggets along the way just to inspire you. And, and you know, like my motto, I love to say when we know better, we do better. And she's definitely pouring out into the community and her community of how we should know better. And so um, without further ado, do welcome Misty. Yay, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. So you are on the East Coast, correct? I am. I'm in New Jersey. Oh, I love me some New Jersey people. I bet I sound like very country to you. (laughs) You do, but it's funny because I am not a New Jersey person. I'm California, born and bred. So you're going to get a lot of likes and you know, there's there's some California isms, but I've now been in Jersey for five years and I'm catching a few little a little thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So just for um, the sake of the community that we're pouring into today, kind of tell them a little bit about Misty and who you are. Yes. So I'm Misty Coy Snyder. And like I said, I grew up on the West Coast, um, California and Washington State. I'm the daughter of two performers and um, come from a performing family. And when I say that, I mean like everybody sings, everybody acts, everybody, well, some play instruments, there's varying degrees, but I sort of grew up in that environment, which was very um, rich and um, in culture and music and all those things. Um, And I studied theater and uh, musical theater. I went to a performing arts high school in, in California and studied acting in college. And I decided shortly after graduating and kind of getting like a day job. I wanted to teach and see how that went. And I realized, nope, I got to like go to the East coast and do my dreams there. And so I moved to New York city and I acted and, and, uh, had a lot of really fun experiences all around the world, all around the country acting and singing. And, uh, I would say up until recently, I thought that my mission and my dream and my goals were all based in that, in my performing. And I've always been a communicator. So it's important to me to communicate, whether through song or through through acting or um, through writing. And um, so I, gu- I guess that sort of brings us up to where things sort of, sort of shifted. Absolutely. And I think what's important and what you're about to share, because I know the story, but what you're about to share is women can change their purpose. And sometimes your purpose finds you in a way that you didn't realize before. And I think that is so like knowing because whenever I found your page, I didn't know any of the parts about your acting and you being a singer. Now, I know you can sing because I've heard you sing to Jed on on social media. But I think that is what is enlightening to me. And I know it will be for the listeners of just your passion, like it, you can have both, right? And it, and it, you can change paths. And so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and share with them how your paths kind of changed. Well, I would say, and so I gave birth to my first son in 2018. And uh, shortly after he was born, we were, my husband and I were living in Pennsylvania, which is where my husband's job was. And um, he had the opportunity to move just an hour outside of New York City to move us there. And so we moved our firstborn son, Clay, who I adore, and you'll hear a little bit about, I'm sure, um, to New Jersey in um, 2018. And I really thought, okay, we're moving to Jersey. I'm going to start 
you know, commuting to do auditions once Clay gets bigger and he's in school and all these things. And, and, uh, we knew that we wanted to try for a second child cause I'm an only child and I being the dramatic drama queen <laughs> that I am, just hated that. I always wanted a sibling and I always so just looked in so much desire to my friends who had siblings and would go and play with their, their brothers and sisters. And so we really wanted to try for a second and we did have a, a miscarriage. And I thought at that time, maybe I'm just not supposed to, you know, I'm a couple years away from 40. Maybe we're just supposed to have one and I'm going to grin and bear it. But we decided to, to just try one more time. And we found out we got pregnant. We were so excited. And just a month before, sorry, not a month before, two weeks before the pandemic, like everybody shut down. Um, we got that call that told us um, we were a nine of 10 chance to have a child with Down syndrome. And I, I wouldn't have even known that, but I wanted to find out the sex. We hadn't done any genetic testing with my first son because we were just like, it doesn't matter. We love this baby. And so I was shocked, right? I thought mm. I was getting a call telling me I was going to have a little girl because the pregnancy felt so different than my first child, my son. And instead, um, she sounded depressed and not depressed, down and cold and scared almost mm. to open her mouth. And it, uh, she said, you know, your child has a nine of 10 chance for trisom trisomy 21. And I said, you mean Down syndrome? And she said, yes. And I just, there is no adequate way to explain how I felt, but to get to sort of the crux of what I'm sharing, I felt as though every dream I'd ever had was crushed in a, a phone call. And I felt that this was the end of me, that I was now going to be the sacrificial lamb and I was going to say goodbye to everything I ever wanted. Mm. And it makes me emotional every time I talk about it because I had no idea. I had no idea what was coming, but those feelings were real and they were raw and they were really, really, really hard. And I didn't get out of bed for a couple of days. Um, I thought, well, maybe it's wrong. I went through every sort of thing and you've got people saying, mm. oh, my friend took that test and it was wrong. It's probably fine. Your baby's going to be fine. And I just knew, I just knew in my heart, I knew in my heart, yep, he has Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, well, that's the end of my dreams. And I'm, I'm just never going to, I'm never going to do anything that, that Misty loves anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just mm -hmm. going to be that mom, mm -hmm. that mom. <laughs> I said in quotations because yes. I had a picture in my mind of what that mom looked like. And it wasn't me. It was far from me. I want to touch on this a little bit because I think this is going to be so important to women listening should what would you have rather had because I know that there's some incentives behind this you mentioned the nurse that called um and, and she sounded down and was scared to deliver the message now looking back now knowing what you know and now looking back would you have wanted that delivery to be something different and how she presented it? A thousand percent. And it wasn't the nurse, it was the doctor. And all the more so, I wish that, mm -hmm. you know, here's the thing. Doctors and nurses and medical professionals are people just like us. Like, no one does it perfectly. No, we're all going to get things, you know, wrong. And look, 
if you haven't been in that situation, you don't know. You don't know what the person needs to hear. But here's the thing. Number one, I should have been called into the office. I should not have had that that phone. They didn't know that my husband was downstairs and was going to basically catch me at the bottom of the stairs. They didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And there were no um, follow-ups. Like they did say, oh, we're going to refer you to a genetic counselor. But that was like three days away. And in this land of like, my life is over. What will I do? I'll never get out of bed. Three days might as well be an eternity. So Mm -hmm. what a different world we'd be talking about if someone said, we need you to come in. We don't want you to get alarmed, but we want to talk to you. And for someone to be across some, either a counselor with the doctor, something who says, you know what? We have some resources for you because when you get online, you're going to see a lot of really scary things and a lot of things that may or may not be true for your child. And so because of that, we want to give you some resources that are actually real right? That you can go on and you can see the DSDN and happiness is down syndrome and rising kites and love that surpasses ministries and all these amazing resources that are going to show you families like you and women like you. And here's the thing, women need to be informed. And a part of being informed is showing the light and there is light. And I didn't see any light, not even a sliver of it. Mm. And so there's a lot I would change. Uh, oh. <laughs> I do what I do. I know. I knew I knew to ask that because I knew you're very passionate about that. So now let's fast forward just a, a little bit. Jed's one, correct? He just celebrated his one year or two year. Oh, that was his second birthday. God, he's so dang cute. <laughs> he really is. Um, so you're two years into the journey. And you mentioned of of kind of there was some dark days and there's still I'm not saying that there's not still hard days. What are things that you have learned through this two years that maybe you didn't understand when the doctor called? Like, what have you learned? Gosh, I I, I would say the the easiest thing, the quickest thing to say is that your biggest fears may never come to fruition. And your biggest joys may. (laughs) And I say that because I don't know if you're this way. I know there are people who who do tend to go to the positive and the hope right away. That's not really me. I'd like to say it's me, but I tend to go to worst case scenario super fast because I've had some hard things in my life. And and I'd rather, I'm the person who would rather know worst case scenario. Like before my kid, my first kid was born, I was like, I'm going to talk to every woman who's ever had a baby and I want to find the worst story I could ever hear. And I want to know it so that I'll know maybe mine will be better than that. Like I just need to know worst case scenario. And so, you know, I think it's so important to know that your mind is going to go to the darkest places possible if you're anything like me and that those things may never happen. I thought, oh my goodness, heart surgery right away. And these things do happen for some, but the biggest fears that I had were heart surgery and, um, there was, well, I was, I was afraid of miscarrying. I was really afraid of miscarrying mm-hmm. and those things didn't happen, but you know, what did happen. Some other hard things and a whole slew of amazing things. I never thought that this joy and this passion, this advocacy that I never thought that was even in me. 
let alone that it would be like my sole purpose for existing right now, you know? Mm. And so, um, it awakens things that you don't even know are in you. And so I think I just wish I had known that it's always darkest before the dawn. Like the pregnancy was for me, the deep, dark battlefield. And when he came, it was like, I mean, there were, don't get me wrong. He was in the NICU. There were really hard things, but when he came and I saw his face and I, I, I can't explain it. It was like light just flooded in. And I was in love. I was, I was totally in love. And I think most moms would say they're of their babies, but I just really didn't expect to feel that way about this baby. I think that's so important. And I appreciate your vulnerability within that because I think that you knew. So how far along were, did, were you whenever you found out? I was only 15 weeks. So you had the whole pregnancy to really tell a story to yourself, right? And I can only imagine the stories because society in, embeds some of those stories within us, I feel like. So, and now what and you're saying, like when you saw in like this whole light, not because it was so dark before, but you can, I can only imagine the stories that you, you were telling yourself, right? Um, so, and that's part of your mission now, right? With that, with what you do with your foundation and being able to share the joy and the happiness behind all of those things, which I think is important. Before we get there, I, w- I want you to be able to, because there's a lot of mamas, whether they're, they're raising a child with a disability or not, I think you shared some of your darkest days and your vulnerability of like, I, I wasn't excited about having the baby, like, you know, but how did you overcome that? Like, what's something that, I don't know, that even through the hardest times that got you through? Well, you know what? The the thing is, is that it looks so different for everybody. And I'm seeing that the more I talk to other moms and the more I get connected to community, that it looks so different for everybody. And it's so important to allow yourself to grieve however that looks, to not feel shame in grieving because I felt tremendous shame at some of the thoughts that went through my head in those first 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Thoughts I never thought I would have ever, 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 ever. Mm -hmm. And the shame that I carried with that, that that Mm -hmm. it was, it was devastating to me. And so I think it's so important to allow yourself the grace to, experience what you experience emotionally and not judge yourself for it. We're human. We're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to have it all figured out. That's not the deal with humanity. I think we can probably piece that together. We do not have it all figured out. And so allow yourself to go through those motions. For me, I grieved hard. I couldn't get out of bed for an entire weekend. I remember doing a Marco Polo on my phone and my head was down and I was, I just couldn't speak through tears. And I was talking to a friend and just saying, I really feel like my life is over. I, I, I know that sounds so dramatic, but that's how I feel. And I'm devastated. And what did I do? I was, I was going back to things that I'd done in earlier in earlier parts of my life, mistakes that I'd made and thought somehow that this was punishment. None of that is a part of my theology, my <laughs> my way of living, but that's how I felt. And so I allowed myself to grieve. And the turning point for me was three days after I got the diagnosis, we met with that genetic counselor. And it, to me, it was like God met me in that room and every fear that I had, she spoke to, but in a different way. 
So I had a fear that it was going to ruin Clay's life and he was going to have the worst childhood and every, he was going to be negatively impacted without my speaking a word. She spoke that, you know, siblings of people with disabilities, you know, say that they, they're better people because of their siblings and, you know, all the things that I'm sure, you know, so intimately, Amanda, but she spoke to that without me saying a word. And she spoke to, you know, um, it not being my fault, that it's something that happens at the the moment of conception. And she explained how sometimes it happens and it's not always because you're of older age. There's plenty of people who are young, 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 little 19 year olds that, that have it happen to them. And so, so all those things, all those fears, all that shame was spoken to. And at that point, she told me about the DSDN, the Down syndrome diagnosis network. And I came home and I had this like fire of like, okay, okay. It's almost like you're gearing for like a marathon. Okay, I'm going to do this. I I don't have a choice. I'm going to do this. And I signed on to the DSDN and I joined a chat room of other women who were pregnant with me and I was off to the races. For me, that's what worked. I needed to hear other people's stories. I needed to hear other people were afraid. I needed to hear other people were not afraid. I needed to hear everything on every side. And for me, that's what helped me get through my pregnancy is plugging in, finding community and voicing the things that I thought were not okay to say out loud. And there was always someone else who said me too. Mm, I think that's so important. Oh, well, and I'm going to, I'm going to say to you, and maybe, I, maybe you don't know this, um, but as a sibling, because you mentioned Clay, and I've already said to you before we started inter- um, doing the podcast of how sometimes when I watch videos, I think there was a video you posted, and it was Clay and Jed, and they were on, a, they were pushing each other on um, their grandmother's walker, I think. Yeah. That's playing. Like, I, I'm going to get emotional, but like, as a sibling, I just played with my brother. I didn't know any different. I didn't know any different. But what you said just now, and I, I, I want as a reminder to other mamas and to you, is that sometimes us siblings don't have a safe place to be able to land those feelings that sometimes you've already worked through as a mama and you had the ability to say out loud, like, sometimes it does suck that I have to share you, um, you know, that you spent two weeks at the hospital and I had to be with a sitter. Like, that that hurts. I, I missed you. But sometimes us siblings don't have that safe place um, to connect, to be able to voice and, and, and have our feelings feel validated. You know how you mentioned just now, like, me too, me too. Sometimes a siblings don't have that. And yes, life is grand. I, I, my life is shaped and I can already tell Clay is being shaped by Jed in ways that are amazing. Um, but sometimes we had, we're, we're not an emotional intelligence enough as a kid. I didn't realize that until I was older. So I loved how you just said, you know, you needed to hear the good and the bad and somebody be able to say me too because for the longest time I wasn't able to say I felt like me saying sometimes I hate my brother's disability felt like I was saying I hate my brother and I wasn't saying I hated my brother I loved my brother but there are sometimes I hated that he had a disability in that moment of being a kid because of something irrational in that moment that I didn't get to do because just so happened to be that he had a disability. And but one thing my mom um, did, and we're going to get back to you. I probably, one thing my mom did, um, and that I hope that you can do for Clay is my mom never used 
my brother's disability as ever the excuse of why we couldn't do something. And that spoke major volumes to me. It was always, she made it always about something. Maybe deep down I knew like Nick's not going to be able to do that. So that's why we really can't. Like it's going to be overwhelming for him or it will make him sick or things like that. She never made it about Nick. I knew it was, but she never did verbally out loud. And that, I didn't realize how impactful that was until I was in an adult. Um, So I'm sharing that right now. Like this is my little counseling session, I guess. (laughs) I'm so glad you did. I think it's so important to hear from the siblings and from other parents and from other family members and also, you know, from really wise counsel. And quite honestly, when so my little Jed, who is two, was just who has Down syndrome, he was just in the hospital for a bunch of viruses. And I begged and pleaded, you know, there's there's tight confines on the hospital, especially in the the ICU for people coming in and out. They, it's not a casual atmosphere. And so I said, please, please, please. Can my, one of my pastors come and just, just to be with someone. I wasn't there with my husband. I couldn't see Mm. my, my other son. And I just wanted someone in there who, who, who could just be, give me some wisdom in that Mm. moment. So anyway, he, I joke with him that somehow he like parted the Red Sea because he just walked in. Like he had the thing that said clergy and they'd been telling me, no, 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 no. And then he just walked in. We're like, okay, you're here. Great. So um, I just, the floodgates opened and I said, you know, I'm so worried. I'm so worried that Clay is going to be, my older son is going to be resentful that we've, we've just been carting him here and there. And we, you know, we're just in survival mode. We're just trying to figure out who's going to be with Jed, who's going to be with Clay, who's going to sleep where, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, I said, I just, I'm, I'm so afraid he's going to be resentful. And without skipping a beat, he just looked at me and very gently said, you know, he might, he probably will, but that's not the end of the story. He said there we're human. Like when hard things happen, we feel resentment. We feel fear. We feel anger. We feel sadness. Those are things, but guess what? He's also going to see how your family pulled together in a really hard moment. And that you did everything you could to go on that little Friday night ice cream date with him. Mm-hmm. He's going to see those things. And that was, that was really beautiful for me to hear because it's truth, right? It's life on life's terms. None of us have a perfect rosy existence. If there is someone out there, I don't, I'd like to meet them and ask <laughs> them how it is, but nobody has that. And we all have all right. things in our lives that we're like, oh, if that hadn't happened or that we might build up resentment to. But if we're really able to see the full picture and Mm. embrace the gratitude and the blessings of our lives, that's not what we focus on. We focus Mm. on, you know, the, the beautiful pieces, like you were just saying, Mm. you know, Mm. I remember playing with my brother. I remember Mm. that, you know, we didn't make it that we can't do that because he has a disability. There, there are always going to be things that we can be grateful for and that we can say, I'm so Mm. glad that I experienced that, you know? Absolutely. And, and I know that, and that's where real resiliency, and if I, I, now that I know your story, I'm like, man, you're pure resiliency. Um, you're the definition of it, but that is, it, it's built within us to be strong people. I wanted to take a little bit of time out of the episode to be able to share with you a project I've been working on that has now launched and pre-orders are available for you. So if you are a special needs mama or you know of a mama raising a child with a disability, this 
is for you. It is a gratitude journal that highlights 30 mamas on the same journey with you, ranging from different disabilities to a wide range of ages. And on the left side of the journal, you will find their story and how they found the joy and the gratitude in the prompt that you're going to then be prompted on the right side of the journal for you to pour your heart and find the fuel that fuels your purpose and your journey while also feeling surrounded by a community that sees you that feels you, and that understands you. It's all of this is dedicated to my mama. What I wish she had 41 years ago to feel us not so much alone on this journey. So it's my gift to you. And I want to celebrate it with other women. So I am excited to be able to have this available right now for pre-orders. We are praying and hoping that it gets out to you for Mother's Day. So don't wait any longer. Go visit my website, piecesofme.org, and get your gratitude journal today. Whether it's for you or gifted to a mama that you know needs it along this journey. You mentioned early on that you had these big dreams of being a singer. And I think what's cool about this too um, is you mentioned you being a singer and that being embedded in you and your sole purpose. And what I think is amazing is that Jed is soothed by singing. So it's like God gave you that gift to be used for more powerful reasons, which I think is amazing. Um, But you mentioned that that was your dreams. And now that I know your story, has those dreams shifted or do they look different? Have you pivoted? So I went from just getting the diagnosis and thinking, well, those dreams are gone. Those dreams are kaput to now. And I am no way I have in no way arrived, but I can, I can confidently say two years later that I've been blown away by how, and I believe very strongly that we all have gifts, that we all have a mission, that we all have something that we uniquely are put on this planet to do. And, and I had just heard a message about this yesterday, that even if it's just being a really solid friend to one person who needs that friend, we all have a mission to be a friend, to be a daughter, to be a child, to be whatever. And then we've got these, these extra, these extra gifts that we are uniquely given. And I believe in my heart that those desires that I had when I was studying acting and studying voice and all those things, those weren't bad. Those were uniquely in line with the gifts that I've been given. And, uh, I thought somehow I would have to sacrifice those things when Jed came, but in actuality, they've kind of (laughs) risen to the challenge. Like they've everything that I studied for And everything that I worked so hard for has now taken the shape of advocacy. And it's funny because in college, I was always, well, all the way up until my 20s, I was always the one who was cast as like the old person, like truly, like the mom, the, I've always been, casting directors have always said, wait until you get to your 40s and 50s. Those are your parts. And here I am. (laughs) Um, but like, uh, wait, just wait, those are your parts. And so I'd always get cast and I always felt like, oh, that's because I want like the meat. I want like the, the stuff you can really like sink your teeth into the stuff that really means something, the stuff that's like, 
this is what life's all about. And that's advocacy. That's, that's Mm -hmm. everybody out there needs an advocate at one point or another, you know, and, and we all have moments of being vulnerable and we all have moments of being weak. And so it's such a powerful thing to tap into that part of yourself that, like I said earlier, I didn't really know that I had, I knew that I had a strong craving for justice. I'm really into crime shows and I hate it when they don't find the killer and the killer doesn't get his desserts. I hate it. But I also, I, I just, I, I have this desire for things to be better and for things, for there to be connection and unity and love and peace. And I mean, that's just, that's just what I'm doing and I'm doing it. Mm. So so through my platform, Happiness is Down Syndrome, and also my personal page, Misty Coy Snyder, my creativity is like on fire. Like I have chances to not only share about my family, but to share about other families and and tell their stories and 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 make reels of lots of beautiful babies together and adults and and then you know, I raised money on happiness is down syndrome to create this advocacy video because it's so important to me that there's something out on on youtube that if somebody right puts in down syndrome that they're going to find something that's that says no it's going to be okay it's going to be better than okay you're going to be okay and here are some families that look kind of like you that that are going to tell you that and so i really have felt that my my goals and my dreams have um risen to the challenge changed shape and uh, just become something new, but mm. nothing of my gifts have changed. There's just, if anything, there's been added, added, you know? I, I like to say it's a gift within the gift, like that, like it's just really blossomed the gifts that God gave you that you just weren't, you weren't using in the same way that now you're using to bless and, and, and plant seeds and gift to others in the way that God would want you to do that, right? So like, to me, it's like, was part of the journey the entire time. He knew. Um, Okay, so because I know you're a a powerful advocate, and I, I like to think of myself as also an advocate, my motto, and I said it earlier, when we know better, we do better. What, and this is a loaded question, so I'm preparing you, and I know it's loaded. But what, if you... I guess, what do you wish society would know better on um, so that they would do better? What do you, if, if you could advocate a couple of things, what would be those couple of things that you felt like if they just knew better, they would do better? What are, what are those to you? In terms of Down syndrome or any disability? I think it could be either. I know you're passionate about Down syndrome, but I think whatever you say to Down syndrome is going to apply across the board as well. I think the the golden rule of treat others the way you would want to be treated is is primo and you know who who among us cannot say there was a time where we felt left out where we felt like we didn't fit in where we felt like we didn't fit the mold where we felt like we fell short like we've all had those moments we've all had even if we were the most popular kid in school you hear stories about you know homecoming queen who felt lonely or whatever. We've all had those moments. And if we could somehow be self-aware enough and be empathetic enough to know that people with disabilities are people 
<laughs> it's everyone will be like, yeah, duh. But no, there are people like you and me, just like I have, you know, blue eyes and that person has brown eyes. We're, we're different. And we have different ways of being and we have different abilities. We have different strengths and we have different weaknesses. But if we could really like break that down and be like, how would I want to be treated? And and I, I'm going to specifically talk about um, uh, first person language. And I know this doesn't apply to every disability, but in the Down syndrome community, we like first person language. And what that means is I don't want someone to say, how is your Down syndrome baby? Mm-hmm. I want them to say, how's your baby? Or mm-hmm. if they're going to talk about Down syndrome, how's your baby doing? I know he has Down syndrome. Has that been a challenge? First and foremost, he is a baby. He's a child. And so we talk about our children as they are people, not about their diagnosis. So we always put that second. And I think that that's important. Like, like uh, this is a silly example, but if someone said, you know, to, um, to my mom when I was a little girl, how's your, your blonde girl doing? That'd be kind of weird, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not identified by the fact that my hair was blonde when I was a little girl. That was a part of me, but how's your little mm-hmm. girl doing? How's she? So it's really just embracing that and having that empathy and having, how would I want to be talked about? How would I want to be treated? And then mm-hmm. teaching our kids to do that. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Things come out of my older son son's mouth every day that I'm like, don't say that. Oh my gosh, don't say that. But it's an opportunity to say, hey, let's mm-hmm. talk about that. You know, they don't know. Like you mm-hmm. said, you didn't have the words to express what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You say, let's talk about that. Okay, so you notice that person is different. Mm-hmm. What's different about that person? Let's talk about it. And let's talk about why it's okay that that person's in a wheelchair, that they are not any worse or better because they are. Let's talk about it and really having those conversations. So mm-hmm. I think that's really just it, like putting yourself in their shoes as best as you can. And I think in general, as a society, we tend to lack empathy. I think we do. we're really stuck in ourselves. A hundred percent. Man, that was so powerful. One last thing, um, because I want to, I know that I want to wrap, but because you're such a a newer mama, like, I mean, two years, and I shouldn't say that, you've been a mama for a while. When I say that passionate, something rekindles, there's something special, because every time I talk to a mama that is raising a a child with a disability, I, I hear my mama. Right. And so like there's a different connection that I feel with all of these women in my life. And um, I just I want to take every platform I can just to fuel because my mom, um, it was before there was no community. Um, there was no internet, there was nothing. And so like I'm just so I'm going to even get emotional. Like I'm so passionate about women getting together and just lifting each other up through the hardest and the best times because they're both. Um, so, um, since Jed is two, um, and Clay is five, 
what would be your nuggets of advice um, that if a mama was listening right now and maybe she's through the like on the moon and, and living the best season of her life or maybe she's struggling right now because mom being a mom is so damn hard. <laughs> it is. Amen. Right? So <laughs> what um and, and I'm not trying to paint that you have it all figured out because you're very vulnerable along the journey and we and you welcome us along that journey. But what's some of the things that you have figured out that you can bless us with or or talk to that mama? Gosh, I would say number one thing is to, for me, has been to find my tribe, to find my community. And that's easier for some than others. And I acknowledge that. I am an extroverted, bleeding hearts kind of gal. And I find if I don't have it, I find it. I, 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 I become the friend that I need. And I heard that advice given Mm -hmm. that we can sit on a log and say, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. Or we can say, you know what? I'm really struggling. And maybe there's someone who's struggling too. And I'm going to, I'm going to find them. And we may be a match for friends. We may not, but we might have words for each other that will help each other. So I think find and be the friend that you want, because this Mm. can be a real lonely journey, even within the Down syndrome community, even with so much. And I think the Down syndrome community definitely has a reputation for being a little like flowery sunshine because our kids (laughs) are just so wonderful. (laughs) So true. Here's the thing. Like it's hard. There's hard. I'm in, I'm in several chats with women where one person keeps going back to the hospital and another person doesn't know why this thing is happening. Another person is just about to go in for heart surgery. Like there's hard things. And we don't always know how to speak to that specific hard thing because we haven't gone through it. I didn't, my son didn't have heart surgery. I don't know what that feels like. I can only imagine. And so the, it, there's hard within the hard. Right. And so we're never going to be able, and this is true for any relationship, we're never going to be able to meet all the needs of the people in our lives, but we can certainly listen and we can certainly be a, be a, an encouragement. We can certainly send a meal during a tough time. We can send a card, a snail mail. So find community and be the friend that you want to have. And if you're listening to this and you think, well, it's easy for you because you're in the Down syndrome community and there's so many of you. I, you know, I've talked to people who their child has a very rare, rare, um, something that's so rare that there's maybe like 10 people in the whole world that have it. Mm-hmm. And to which I say, you're a part of us. You're a part of us. I may not know your journey and I won't be able to speak to it, but you're a part of us. Like, come talk to me. If you need someone to talk to, I'll put you in a chat with somebody. I'm a networker. So I try to find somebody who might have a something that's similar and, you know, reach out. There's never any harm in reaching out saying I'm struggling even to, to be able to come to Amanda and say, Amanda, do you happen to know somebody in the community that I could talk to on Instagram or Facebook or text? It just takes one step. And Mm -hmm. I guess, that would be my encouragement. Don't do it alone. Don't do it in the dark. Don't hang your head in shame that you're feeling the weight of it. Talk about it, write about it, find someone, pray about it, Be do something active for yourself because you're worth it. You're worth it and your baby deserves 
you to be okay. Your mm. baby needs you. You're exactly right. Man, you have been such a blessing. What a sweet, sweet pot, like episode. I just love this. Um, I didn't realize how much of um, our outlooks and our insights are very much aligned um, to the direction and the advocacy that we desire in this world, right? And so important to connect and find people along the way. So um, any last things, like how can people find you? I, I know I'm going to put this in the show notes, but I just want them to see Clay and Jed. That's like my mission to connect because that video, like I'm like, I'm going to share that on my stories. It's so stinking cute. Um, but what, how can they um, find you and connect with you? Well, before I say that, I want to thank you because your work and what you're doing with this podcast and your page and just your story and your mission, I, I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful for this opportunity that you would allow me to be on the show. So thank you. Um, and, uh, keep doing what you're doing because you're amazing. (laughs) And, um, my my personal page is Misty Coy Snyder, Misty Coy Snyder, and that features Jed and Clay and me and my husband, everything. It's a hodgepodge of things, but I would say the main goal is to just kind of showcase our family and say, like, we're this is our this is our journey and we're gonna be honest about it. It mostly highlights Jed. <laughs> He's the star <laughs> of the page, I will say. Um and then, uh, yes, my community page is happiness is down syndrome and happiness is down syndrome. I like to call my third baby because it has, it, it, it happened in the middle of the night, two months after Jed was born, I started singing this song from, um, your good man, Charlie Brown called happiness is finding a pencil. And it's just all about like the, the simple joys of life. And I really feel like that is what Jed has highlighted for me. Mm-hmm. And I want you to come on the page, even if you're not a part of the Down syndrome community and just see some families in the disability community and read some of their stories and reach out to me. I will be the person who is responding on happiness. Reach out to me if there's someone, something that you need to connect about and I will do my utmost. It's like my passion to connect people. So um, those are my two pages and uh, happiness is down syndrome also has a Facebook page. If you're only on Facebook, you can find us there. We're more, I'm more, I say us, it's me, (laughs) but it's a community. So happiness is down syndrome is um, more active on Instagram and that's where like the chats are and things, but we also are on Facebook and I'd just love to have you come and come and visit. <laughs> I love that. Well, again, thank you. And I think I can say it because it'll already be launched at that point. But um, Misty was a contributor also on the um, journal gratitude journal project that um, we kind of put together of all these mamas being able to because you said it earlier in the episode of how much. Um, having gratitude and being able to honor gratitude along the journey is so important. It's what I wish my mama had in building that community. So um, the Gratitude Journal um, Project, thank you for being a part of that. And hopefully there'll be some things that we can do and partner with you as um, 
a code that will be provided to where we can give to your foundation and and the things that you are very passionate about. So we're super excited to know what that's going to be like. It's all fresh and new right now. So, um, but we'll, we'll be able to put that in the show notes as well when this launches. Um, And so again, just thank you. You're such a blessing and such a delight. And I can't wait to see where your journey goes and all of the advocacy that you do and and changing our society because again when we know better we do better so thank you amanda until next time dream big and do the damn thing thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this podcast would you share it with someone or share it on social media and tag me I am so glad we are on this journey together. Let's keep this relationship going because I am here for it. Follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Pieces of Me by Amanda and DM me to join one of my private groups where we can dive even deeper into disabilities or finding your passion and purpose. Let's fuel each other.